Welcome to the Disruptors in the Culture podcast. I am Amira Smith, and I'm here with my, I would say lovely, but you guys are <laughs> quite awesome co-hosts, Tony Chenault and Joshua Meekin. What's up, what's up? What's up, what's up? Perfect, perfect. Um, the reason why, let's talk a little bit about kind of what we wanted to do and kind of start this podcast. So um, the reason why we uh, created the Disruptors in the Culture podcast is because we felt like there weren't enough people getting the you know, the the shine and the, the recognition for doing what they're doing in the culture um, in ways that, you know, kind of highlighted their journeys and the things that they wanted to do. So I know that Tony and I were brainstorming one day and really thought that we could, you know, create a platform for people like that, whether it's film, uh, music, uh, community representation, people, mm-hmm. activists, anything. We just wanted to really make sure that people had a voice and a platform to kind of express that voice. And there's no way better to do that than to create it ourselves. So um, like, why do y'all think that's important? Like, why do you think we need, we kind of need stuff like that? I think it's important, like you said, just to highlight those individuals. And I think people need to really know what a disruptor really means. Like, like how do we define a disruptor? Yeah. Somebody with a, um, a radical, with a purpose, um, a strong intention. And like you said, those individuals deserve to to get the proper attention that they they need, um, you know, especially doing things that's kind of outside the bat, outside the box in their respective um industry. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and we want to highlight people like even like anybody that we can we find artists in Philadelphia, artists in the tri-state area, uh, filmmakers like ourselves, mm-hmm. and even things such as like even other podcasts or people just trying to you know get their name out there and talk about the journey that they're going through. I think that's going to be really important. I think being able to create a podcast for people like that is um, is big. I mean, what, I mean, what do you think our listeners could kind of gain from that? Just motivation, honestly. Yeah. Absolutely, and um, a bit of a blueprint if mm-hmm. they can, Ooh, right? Blueprint. You know, of like someone did it this way because um, like even if we break down like disrupt disruptors, disruption, mm-hmm. and culture. Um, I'm a you know I come from film and marketing, mm-hmm. right? And um. I follow this guy, Seth Golden, a lot. He's like the god of marketing. Yeah. And they define culture as people like us do things like this. Mm-hmm. Or people like us do things in this way, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. if someone comes and there's whatever it is, whether it's sports, entertainment, film, and there's a person that comes and they disrupt the way that things were do- like going and they do it in a progressive way, mm-hmm. then that's somebody worth noting to Absolutely. show. Like, you know, sure. they're trying to move things forward, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. So. Okay. So y'all are probably wondering what are we, like who are we to you know, kind of have these voices and kind of say these things. So I definitely think we should highlight ourselves and talk about what exactly brought us to this point or like what mm-hmm. credentials that we have. So Amir, I'm gonna start with you first again. Oh. You know, ladies first. Oh. <laughs> so you know, we, we keep it real cordial around here, do it real polite, like. Yeah. So okay. if you want to tell us about you know what you used to do, what you do now, yeah. things like that. So um, I would call myself. Um, I'm a producer, and creative problem solver, you know, mm. I try to what figure What do you mean out, by that? Yeah. You know, I, I try to figure out pain points um, okay. overall. So, and I've noticed no matter what I'm doing. So my quick and dirty background is, um, I mean, I work in film. Okay. Um, and that's by choice. It's, some people say, well, well, what makes that or what made you make that decision? I'm like, it's kind of like it's in you, right? Mm-hmm. To be, mm-hmm. to really love storytelling, no matter what the medium is. And um, so... I use storytelling throughout every thread. I work in marketing. I'm a graphic designer. Um, I've been doing graphic design for 
18 years now. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, and that's been woven all through all of my different work. I'm a film producer, but I'm more of a, less of a practical on-set producer than mm -hmm. I am of like setting plays, right? Gotcha. Introducing parties that need to be introduced, bringing on what production company is best for the job. Okay. That type of producing. Not that I won't do practical set producing because I'm transitioning into that. But um, yes, I would say a, pro a creative problem solver for that, right? Okay. People will come to me and say, hey, I'm looking for someone who needs to fill this position on set. And I think of my Rolodex of people. Sometimes I literally like, go through my phone, go mm -hmm. through context. Mm -hmm. Who can I refer for this? Um, I'll know people who they may work at an agency or have a company. Mm -hmm. And they're like, I need a production company mm -hmm. that can do X, Y, Z. And I need them to be able to have more of an experimental, you know, mindset with like looking at creating my content. And then I go over like, who do I know? And if I don't know someone, I find another, you know, mm -hmm. content creator to make the play. So yeah, like, what's your problem? I could probably solve yeah. it. But I have a long background even tech, and so uh -huh. I'm even at guys. So a lot. Some people know me from the film office. Um, I was for four years the director of marketing and multicultural affairs, which is basically inclusion and marketing at the Greater Philadelphia Film Office, which is Philly's Film Commission. Um, th that film commission exists to bring production to the area of all scales, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. To bring more film production here. And I wore so many hats from marketing to everything visual you saw from them, including website that um, user experience design. And I was also the in-house tech because Ooh. I came from the tech world. She says so she does was, it all. Yeah, so that's the quick and dirty one. Yeah, <laughs> and it's like through that work, I met Tony. Who, yeah. you know. But talk about how we met, though. Oh. No, no, just like the, uh, <laughs> Tony always put me. No, it was no, Tony no, always. No, talk about how we met. No, because no, he always puts me on blast because yeah. Tony used to reach out to me. Try to talk to him. One of my no, it wasn't even it. One of my my oldest friends, her um cousin is Tony's uncle, and he would be like, my nephew, he got this this web series, and I was like, okay, oh, it looks good, and he's like, y'all should know each other. I was like, okay, it's a cool web series. And Tony like emailed me or he, he DM'd me and oh, I was Facebook. just like, he's like, this is what I got going on, this and that. But I didn't know what the ask was. Yeah, yeah. And I was just kind of like, yeah, he wasn't like, hey, I want you to, like, gave me the action item. Yeah. And I was like, oh, it looks good. Keep going. And then like. <laughs> she Hollywood me, right? She saw our first piece. She was like, oh, oh, hey, great. Okay, can continue. Yeah. Keep doing what you're doing. I watched a bit of it. I was like, this is good stuff. But then like we said, the, the office, I wore so many hats. I was always yeah. like running, yeah. like short, like running ragged a little bit. And then me and Tony ended up at the same business um, accelerator program. And as we're going around, and I remember being in the room, and I was like the last intro, and he was like, oh, I'm Tony Chanel, I'm a filmmaker. I was like, oh. <laughs> I said, I'm about to be on blast. He's going to be like, oh, yeah, you ain't respond to me. And I was just like, damn. And then I thought to myself, I said, this means we're supposed to work together. But I also think it's a lesson of that of not taking things personal, though. Yeah, because like, it was Some people are taking it personal, like, no, I'm not working this person. Some, some people be genuinely busy or have other obligations at the time, right. so... You can't take it personal. You just if it's meant to happen, it's meant to happen. Okay, so we're gonna transition right to Tony then. <laughs> yeah. that was, that was exactly you like that. Um, so my name is Tony Chenault. Um, grew up Philadelphia, Island section of Philly. Um, I got into film in college. Um, went to Villanova University, one of the best schools in the country. Yeah. Um, I was playing basketball there, and I kind of came to the realization that I wasn't gonna go to the NBA. So I had to figure out what I wanted to do after basketball. So I had two um professors there. Um, Professor Hezekiah Lewis. And um, Professor Steve McWilliams um, kind of introduced me to the craft of filmmaking and um, just um, being able to tell a story from your perspective and um, being able to tell holistic narratives that could drive um, social change that kind of just um, motivated me to want to become a filmmaker. So after graduation, we went on 
to create on what was it two six seven production? Yes, sir. The, the first one. The first production company, and you know, it was me, Rob, Josh, Tom, and one of our other friends, Alex, and we went on to produce Old Head, and then we just went went all running from there. How, well, how did you guys meet? Film class. So it was wow. weird how. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, but it was like at first I didn't really know Josh. Yeah. He's not that many. It wasn't that many black but people nah. at the time anyway. But uh, I just came up to Josh like, "Yo, man, um, I'm starting a production company. You, you want to be a part of it?" And I, <laughs> I just yeah. asked you like yeah. that, like, "Yeah, like, cool." What's like, what's so then we just been kind of like been business partners since the then. Same. I and I think it it really works because um we really think opposite. If that mm-hmm. makes sense, yeah. um, he's more logistic, operational, and I'm more just like, just get it done, just a doer, yeah. more so. Yeah. So that's why I think the business relationship really worked for us. Yeah, supplement each other's strengths, yeah. right? Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. One disclaimer, though, I do not work at the film office anymore. Just <laughs> 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 throw it out there. Yes, yeah, it's been been over six months, eight <laughs> months or so since I've worked there. Just to put it out there, mm-hmm. like, so you're just, not looking for her. <laughs> I mean, no, just because it's like you know, you gotta you. That's what you want to hire me for. She's available. Freelance producing. Freelance producing. Any work y'all need done, read over your script. She's good at that as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I guess we get to you, Josh. Yes, sir. Um, uh, Joshua Meekins from Trenton, New Jersey. Uh, One of the biggest things for me always was I liked entertainment on all sorts of avenues, fashion, entertainment, music, media. Um, I dabbled in music for a while. (laughs) I made, Kanye West always talked about he made five beats a year for like three summers. I was like, I'm going to do that. Oh, five beats, like a beat a day? Yeah, literally. So he was like, I did a beat a day for a summer. And I was like, I'm going to do that. So like my summer going into like my freshman year of college, I made a beat a day while playing 2K (laughs) every single day. So 2K I got, was the motivation? Bruh, every <laughs> single day. 2K11, when Monte Ellis on the warrior, I was bombed. I was beating people, taking their money. But um, got to college, started off pre-med, which was like my parents were like, if you're not a doctor or a lawyer, what are you doing? You know? Yeah. So I, I started off that way, realized that blood wasn't my thing, mm-hmm. and I just really wasn't into it as much as I thought I was. So I went to um, film, uh, media production exactly, and uh, took some film classes from there where I met Tony. And me and Tony became close during that class. It was funny because when Tony first like approached me, he was like, what's up? And Tony was like, what's up? <laughs> like, it was just like real like weird. Like we never, yeah, it didn't it click was, right yeah. away. We would talk music and then yeah. we kind of like melded from there. But like, it was just kind of like, what does he want from me? I don't know. Tony, <laughs> <Well, laughs> what's up with you and your ass? Like, we, be like, I got to fill you up. <laughs> yeah. Tony's right. genuine. So we, like when you got, when Tony comes up to you, kind of like, so what was the what was the purpose? <laughs> Wait, and this was before you guys were in film class. No, this is when we were in film, film class. class. Oh. Like I was sitting here, he was sitting literally next to me. Yeah. So we kind of just like bonded from that point on. Um, but yeah, went to that film. Ended up having a, a job out in LA when we when we graduated. That fell through, which at this point I think is one of the biggest blessings, mm. because that falling through. I think I posted a picture on Instagram that I was still in Philly, and Tony was like, "Yo, bro, let's link. Hit my number. Hit yeah. my line. Let's let's yeah. talk." So that's how I got pulled into Old Head, and then wow. we did what four, three seasons three of Old seasons, Head, yeah. which has been fantastic. And now we're working on a, a feature film, Don't but worry. um. I've been kind of sucked in and, and really kind of figuring out this game for the past four or five years, which has been amazing. I think like this platform gives us a chance to talk about our failures, yeah. the connections we've made, uh, the things that worked, the successes we've had, yeah. um, to highlight the people we've met along the way, 
and just continue to talk about the passion that we have on a constant, consistent mm-hmm. basis yeah. mm-hmm. and, you know, provide insight for those who really, you know, might have questions or want to know mm-hmm. what we're really doing. Mm-hmm. Because I've seen the comments on YouTube talking about like, oh, what do y'all, y'all, y'all just do old head? What's going on? What's, what's, why is there a yeah. break? You know, yeah. we got to let y'all know there's other things going on. Yeah. There's failures. Yeah, there's, there's much more to us than just old head. You know, we're doing yeah. a lot. We provide people with that. But at the same time. You got to grow with us if mm-hmm. you really want to be invested. And for those that don't, that don't know, Old Head was a web series, um, mm-hmm. or is, because it's mm-hmm. not was. It's yeah, still, still going. Is. Yeah, yeah, it's a web series. Um, three seasons in. Mm-hmm. Yes, ma'am. Um, Tony and uh, Josh's baby. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like urban. It was I was? How would you describe it? Like gritty urban. Gritty urban, urban and like educational mm-hmm. at the same time. Yeah, tell them about the premise of like Old Head. Well, the premise is this: is this the protagonist Bumpy? Um. He lost um his best friend to the streets, and he vowed to his best friend that something happened to him, he'd take care of both of his sons. So one of his sons went off to college. The other one just kept, got released from prison, so he's trying to do everything in his power um, to make sure he he stays on, on, on the straight, on the narrow path of doing the right thing. And um when he comes home, which is the character of L.A., he comes home and he wound up getting involved with the wrong people. Now Bumpy has to try to pull him out that mix. So it's kind of like really just showing that um, relationship between the old head and the younger person and what that mentorship really looks like because I feel like that's not really highlighted a lot of narratives or media in general. Yeah, and even in addition to that, like even when Tony and I continued to tell the story on season two, we wanted to make sure that we were giving – Season three, no season two. Like, remember, oh, we're oh, in, yeah, yeah, yeah. season two to season three. Like yeah, we yeah. talked about, just, you know, giving people a pl- like a platform of like that realism. Like those are neighborhoods that we grew yeah, up in. Yeah. So and not a lot of people tell those stories. I want to say accurately and educationally. Like we get a, everybody tells a story of a kid yeah. from the hood that grows up that deals drugs or can go to school and he's dealing with all these life crises. Like we get it. Yeah. But like nobody really tells the truth. Like you're th- those aren't easy decisions. Mm-hmm. And every single decision that that person makes has a repercussion. You know what I mean? Like, I will always talk about when I grew up, I had the blessing of being the party removed from those situations. All my friends were involved in that stuff, but I was the party removed. You know what I mean? So me watching and witnessing those things take place, I'm watching their lives drastically change because this kid didn't go to work, go to school on Tuesday. Since he didn't go to school on Tuesday, X, Y, Z happened. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. there's all these variables that come to those decisions, those minute decisions that people think are are, are just small and actually end up being life-changing decisions. Yeah. So we wanted to make sure we told that in an honest, impactful way. Yeah, mm-hmm. and being people of color, like we like we said, they, they could be monumental, which we think mm-hmm. is a really small decision. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, I think me and Tony grew up in it because old head takes place completely in Philadelphia. Yeah. Yep. And um, I grew up in... Crack era, North Philly, Strawberry Mansion. Yeah. You know what I mean? So Love it is. Her. It's like knowing the weight of your mm-hmm. decisions, even young, right? Mm-hmm. And it's only through seeing an old head and how they turned out. And you can like, well, I <laughs> yeah. think I don't want to do that. You learn from that. You learn from that. And that's wisdom. But like, it also show as black people, we like um, mosaic individuals. We made up with so many different elements and layers, right? Yeah. And um, I think that's the beauty of, of storytelling, and in particular, when you're doing black narratives. Yes. Mm-hmm. So that we're not this monolithic looking yeah. group. It's like no, we're very varied and different. Yeah, and yeah. It's not say, one black voice. With right? that being said, what do y'all think are are qualities that make uh, I guess directors of color or black directors and producers so unique? Because I feel like right now in the climate of film, they're starting to take a rise. Like we just Queen and Slenders came out with Lena Ray, mm-hmm. which is fantastic a way of storytelling. Who was the, the lady that directed? Was a black Malina female. Malina was. She did. She did. Met- I think she did an awesome job. Right? And I, I even like some of her shots. Um, in particular, like when they're riding in the car, 
um, when the police pulled them over, how she had both of the carrots and rules of third to have their own different perspective of mm. how the situation was going to happen mm. with the cop. That's mm. why I got from that scene. Mm. Like the 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 man was more like kind of like um, conservative when the woman was more aggressive. Yep. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it was important you could tell from the shots. Mm. Mm. I know you had your critiques. I, I see. <laughs> we ain't gonna talk about Queen of no, we, we ain't won't. gonna get in depth. We won't. Yeah, but but I was just talking about like that. I thought that was from a director perspective. Yeah. That was really really good. Her. Mm. Yeah. No. Yeah. I think when we look at um, the rise of black directors, like it, it's just, I think it, it ties directly into the amount of screens now, mm-hmm. right? Mm. Before, so many different outlets. Yeah. Before I think um, the number of like movie theater screens across the country, I used to notice like the back of my hand, um, mm-hmm. which maybe I should look at box <laughs> real quick. But um, yeah, it was something like. T- Either twenty five hundred or twenty seven hundred or four four thousand something like that, but it was like you were kind of like limited to movie theater screens, yeah. right? And where they will show, but now we have so many streaming platforms, mm-hmm. and then YouTube has taken a rise, and then you could mm-hmm. put your stuff behind a paywall if you need, you know. So it's so many screens, so it's a need for more content, and with the internet, like people have proven, yeah. if you don't make what I want to see. Maybe I make it myself, and mm. then we saw Vine. Somebody gonna rise. watch it, yeah. yeah TikTok, you know I mean? even TikTok. now, yeah. like people are creating the content that they want to see, um, but they do want to be challenged. They want to see like really good stories, really good mm. directors. So it's, it was kind of like adapt or die. Yeah. Yeah. So platforms, I, I won't say it's like be. I don't want. I don't want to be like morbid and say that they only embrace directors of color because they don't want to be phased out. Mm. But a, a bit, you know. Mm. You know, because it's they, you know, they're they're kind of somewhat getting out of the way. Mm-hmm. And then we've just seen a lot of really great storytelling, whether it's Ryan Coogler or, you know what I mean? Yeah. Kind of Stephen help, Cable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, Barry Jenkins. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Making the tide rise. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Even though we we know there's been great film forever, whether it's Gina Prince by the wood, mm-hmm. um, like Love and Basketball. You know, it's, it's been yeah. great stuff. Mm-hmm. And that's and that's I think that's a big reason why. I mean, I feel like directors of color, producers of color media creators, content creators of color are starting to say like, listen, we, we di- we've we done this. Mm-hmm. We've shown y'all this is successful. Mm-hmm. There's a proven formula that shows you that this is going to be content that is absorbed, created, and make you millions and you're going to sit here and tell us it's not this, this is not the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, you're kidding me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. like we even, even doing some of the research, like even for the feature film that we're trying to create, doing the research there, it took them not even $500,000 to make Friday. Friday yeah. did how many million dollars? Probably and like success, five, six million dollars. Crazy, million. crazy amount of money on that in that recoup. You know what I'm saying? So it's like you constantly have these examples of you give a, black people have the the crave the, the crazy power of taking nothing and making yeah. something incredible. We've been doing yeah. that since the beginning of the time. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, the Wayne's family shows you yeah. with uh, with a scary movie. Yeah. They had nothing and they turned into a multi million dollar franchise. That franchise like that's yep. wild. Mm-hmm. So it's just it's incredible to kind of see what that, that like stories of color are capable of doing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I was trying to find that number of screens. <laughs> no, because you know it makes a difference. Because you know that's that part of like working mm-hmm. with the film office. It's like I would dig deep into mm-hmm. it, even understanding how um, movie chains themselves, how they have to negotiate what mm-hmm. they would make. Like, am I going to get part of ticket cut? Am I getting concessions? Like, it makes a difference. Some mm-hmm. movies they're. They don't make any money on their movie because they say, look, Jumanji is coming and they're going to fill your theater. So yeah. all you get is your con- is the concessions, depending. Yeah. You know, it's mm-hmm. all contractual. But people would say, oh, that movie grossed this much more. And I would say, 
Yeah, because that was a wide release. They were in every theater. Mm -hmm. That one had 2,000 less theaters. Yeah. So let's talk about numbers, by the numbers. Mm -hmm. Like who made more per theater? Then mm -hmm. you break it down like that. But um, Real quick. So yeah. two second pause. You got to talk closer to the mic. Oh, Because we're getting all this around. Yeah. Oh, sorry. You good? You good? <laughs> Get closer. All right. <laughs> Back at it. Um, what y'all want to switch something? I mean, journey into filmmaking. Yeah. Okay. So... Okay, so we know that Tony kind of accidentally stumbled into film mm -hmm. where you started thinking of other possibilities. But okay, so after coming out of bat, not even coming out of basketball, but once you realize you're like, I'm not going to go to the in a NBA, what, why film? Should I say why film? Um, I just feel like film just give you a voice, and I've always been an expressive person. Like when I played basketball, like I was emotional, I was expressive on the court. I kind of look at it like it was a stage. It was my platform to be creative. Yeah. So film allowed me to still be creative and expressive and still have a voice that a voice that was meaningful and that can inspire in that respect. Mm. Yeah. That's why it made me want to be made me want to be a, um, a filmmaker. How do you how do you translate that on the court voice to the to the director's chair? It's tough. Um, I can't scream at nobody. Like, <laughs> like, yeah. Come out of nowhere, like just like being emotional like that. But just like, how do you challenge actors to tap into that? to that character or tap into that certain emotions. Like for me, I was a point guard, right? So how I ch um, challenged my teammates to, to to be the best that they can be. Yeah. You know what I mean? So that perspective of me being a point guard now, me being a director, of me constantly inspiring, being selfless, mm. that's why I think I was able to make mm. that transition to become a, a good director. Yeah. I can agree. I will. I, being on set with Tony, he does those things. So <laughs> that what, definitely works. What made you go into film? That's, that's a good question. Um, I think... I always had a love for storytelling and telling stories and just like really kind of putting my little personal apply on things. Um, you can ask Tony, I'm really like, if something comes up, I'm like, I, don't, I want it this way. Like, then I, I, but, I, but I want it this way. So there'll be times where I really be trying to just like, you know, get my own voice out there and put it, put it a certain way. But I've always loved stories. I've always loved movies. It's like a really like hidden passion that I've always had. Yeah. Um, and just like how things look. Like I'm really like I, I really want things to look and feel a certain way that kind of expresses me. Mm -hmm. So I think when it comes to storytelling, it's kind of I kind of felt like I always fit into the I got a good story to tell or I want to I want to see this displayed. So that's really kind of how filmmaking really became a, a passion for me. But that's why I think like for I I, I take more of the producer role mm, because yeah. I see the bigger picture more than I see the how do we get to these small steps to make the bigger picture happen. I think over mm -hmm. time I, I mm -hmm. gathered those skills. But yeah. I, trust me, at the end of the road, I see how this is supposed to be. Yeah. And I know what decisions we have to make to get there, but I'm not good at the, you know, the minute, let me, can, let me make this person. Like, that's where Tony definitely has yeah. the, the, uh, the, the skill. So I kind of, you know, take a step back and say, let's focus on, let's get, let's get to this picture. Yeah. Yeah. That is true. Producers versus directors. Mm -hmm. and yeah, you got to learn which is, it. Which is why producers accept best picture. Like, mm -hmm. you know, like, or like mm -hmm. for the overall movie and directors. Because they see it all the way through. Yeah, because mm -hmm. it, it is hard. We I've talked about this with friends before. Like, it's really hard to say, like, who was the best producer? Yeah. Who lined th the ducks in a row? Because it is. Yeah. It's subjective. They would have to be only your cast and crew could really yeah. vote on that, right? Yeah. No one else. It's, it's really hard to pick out what the producer did for like yeah. the the eye, right? Yeah. And for people watching, and you gotta you gotta learn how to do that too. Like there were definitely times where it's like I think we naturally had to kind of figure out how our roles filled in, especially not doing old head and even working on other projects. It's a matter of saying, okay, where how do I kind of fit through that? If nobody's yeah. picking up this piece, maybe I should step in and really mm -hmm. kind of put that forward. Is this if this isn't looking how we want to look at the end, and nobody else is advocating that? I'm definitely gonna say something mm -hmm. for sure. You know what I mean? For sure, for sure. So what about you, Amir? How do you get got into filmmaking? I, um, what was that transition like? Always a visual person. I grew up in, um, you know, just like an art 
nerd kind of mm-hmm. like I used to win a lot of um art competitions and for drawing oh, and painting and stuff. Oh, you got a whole. Oh yeah, you know, yeah. so that's kind of so. Yeah. So when it says you know um, graphic design, I don't paint and draw as much as I used to, but um graphic design is you know I'm, I'm always practicing that skill as far as and because I'm usually doing it for you know mm-hmm. a client or something mm-hmm. I have going on, but um. I think, you know, I, I used to really just look at it as a kid. I think I, I saw what Michael Jackson, I saw, like, his, his house and what he made. And I was like, ooh, I want to be like Michael Jackson. And then I remember seeing Tom Cruise on an interview, and this yeah. was real. He was doing an interview, I think, for, like, Top Gun, and he was talking mm. about the, all the um, practice he went into and that he flew with real pilots to, like, mm-hmm. get learn. And I was just like, dang. And then I, yeah. I was little, too, and I said, so for research, you kind of research and you go and do all these different things. And mm-hmm. that sounded like you would never get bored. Mm-hmm. And then they talked about what he made. And I was like, I got to get in the movie business. <laughs> but then I was super shy as mm-hmm. a kid. So it was just kind of one of those things that got delayed. And then I started taking like drama classes as a mm-hmm. teenager. And then it was just like, this is, I love this business. And you know how it is. Once you get involved, it's hard to see things Playing again, right? <laughs> you know, watching content, uh, you're seeing everything—a whole different eye. Like this whole, shot would have been set up so different if they had green lighting. Like, it yeah, this or year. you're just like, why would the why would they direct them to say that? Why mm-hmm. this doesn't? They could have got rid of the scene. It's like my mom was always a content junkie. She still is. Mm-hmm. Like she she loves TV and movies mm-hmm. and stuff, and she's not as critical as me. But I knew it was bad. Like my son, like I have a teenage son, and we went and saw a film. No, we were watching a TV show. And what did my kid say? He he said, mm, "Man, a half hour of that, I'm not even emotionally invested in none of these characters." <laughs> the I said, "Boy, I done rubbed off on them." <laughs> but it's crazy when you're watching a film or TV show; you can tell by the first ten minutes if it's a good film or TV show. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. It hooks you. If yeah. it hooks you, yeah. And it's it could get difficult when they like yeah you you're right because then that First chooses all their decisions like mm-hmm. are you introducing too many characters mm-hmm. like why wait this is too much or mm-hmm. you know it, it shows it definitely shows you strength of like the director for yeah, sure yeah, that yeah. you kind of could feel it you know it yeah definitely so along your journey kind of getting to this point what are some of the biggest like lessons that you might have learned some of the failures you might have had um I would say. Gosh, the biggest lesson is really just commitment, right? Mm-hmm. Um, this filmmaking and just being in the business itself is not for the faint of heart. If you want to, if you're a quitter, yeah. if you're a person who doesn't like to just you don't like pain. Yeah, exactly. If you don't like pain, if you don't like rejection, if you don't like hearing no, and maybe other people not seeing what you see, like this isn't. I don't think we all like any of us like it, but you have to know that. You know, you just got to see it through. Mm-hmm, Sometimes yeah. someone can give you an idea because I think we've all been there, right? Mm-hmm. You know, you'll be, even if you're like day job, you'll mention something or pitch something and then they're just like, oh, I don't know, you know. And then 15 minutes later in a meeting, they're like, what if we? And you're mm-hmm. like, that's that was why. my I idea. told you that. <laughs> but sometimes people have to hear it a few times to, yeah. to, for it to catch. But yeah, this business is like, you, you stick with it. You know, mm-hmm. you do it because you love it. And, you have to keep going even if nothing connects, mm-hmm. you know, and you have to make a commitment, not of like, oh, they didn't give me the money. You find a way to get the money to get mm-hmm. the project done. Yes, ma'am. You know, you just, like if you're going to just quit even when nothing's happening, then this is not the business for you. Definitely not. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I think we both. Tony says that with confidence. We know. Yeah. <laughs> we can definitely attest to that, especially when we was doing overhead, um, yeah. just fundraising, doing it on a shoestring budget, yeah. um, adding a New York storyline and, New York cast and every weekend we driving up there and 
trying to feed everybody. And like I don't think people people housing. don't know. That's the crazy. Like people just think Man. you you. Oh, you, I forgot you guys did some production in New York. Girl, oh, like it's all Philly. But <laughs> wait, no, wait, you guys did. Yeah, people was, really think you real. just go, you pull up, you shoot, and you're done. Like yeah, that's not no, how this works. Setting up the shot, and, mm. and we's up there shooting during the winter, so it was like 20 degrees. Cold, really cold. Mitts, yeah. jackets, <laughs> and we snow. shooting like a block schedule. So we going 14 hours a day on mm-hmm. Saturday and Sunday. Yep. By the time everybody get back to the hotel. Airbnb, we dead. We just want and we gotta wake up to in sleep. five hours. But I'm trying to watch the shots to make sure we got all the right takes. Yes, <laughs> no, you have to. Yeah, I but saw same, it. yeah, same time, get my rest for the next day of production. Three I of us crap, cramped in a hotel room, like yeah. for real. That you live it for. I saw this meme earlier. I'm gonna show you guys. It was um, you saw like a, a crew, and you see you know all the the equipment boxes and stuff, and they're whatever their coats on. Yeah, and it said. It's cold outside. They're cold too. Bring them inside. Like how we had animals, <laughs> yeah. we tell them bring them in. Yeah. And I was like, ooh, I don't, I don't miss that part though. Like, but I honestly like it. Like this. just the grind, man. The it, grind. It's, yeah. It's just something about the grind that I actually like the production part the best. Just like actually being in the trenches. I'm, yeah. I've always been the person that like being in the trenches, figuring things out and working. Like. Yeah, it's fun to see the end results when, you know, you do the screenings and things like that. Mm-hmm. But that's the cute stuff. That's the stuff that that's is the quick and it finger, goes And that's not really fast. a real experience. The real mm-hmm. experience is how you, you build a relationship with the actors and your crew. And um, it's like a brotherhood and the family. You build that family environment on set. Yeah. That anybody that worked with us can say, oh, our set's been, like, really inclusive and, and really, like, um, welcoming and everybody's just having right. a sense of respect because we're really respectful guys, so we yeah. set that tone no matter Early. who we have on set. Nobody's bigger than, the, yeah. than what we're doing, uh, which is trying to produce a great project. I'm yeah. seeing a big change in, it in the industry overall, right, where uh, peop- it is, like, far more respectful sets than it used mm-hmm. to be because, you mm-hmm. know, like, the old – you would see it on TV where the director's yelling at everyone, acting yeah. like he's above it, and you yeah. know, it's top line. But people are starting to see, like, this is a community effort. Like, yeah. you know, you could be on set, there's a hundred different crew members. It's like, we gotta we gotta do 12 to 14 hour days, sometimes 16 hour yeah. days together. together. To get it right. yeah. So we better respect each other and like each other and mm-hmm. try to make it work. It's mm-hmm. also a business, too, at the end of the day. Even though it's a business, like, people wanna work with people that they like. Good yes. people. You know what I'm saying? Yes. And I think a big lesson, even too, in the film world is that, you're going to get a callback. You're going to get a, a, a second request if somebody actually enjoys you being on their set. Mm-hmm. You could be the funny person on set. You make yeah. me laugh, but you yeah. make these 14 hours go by super, super fast. Yeah. I want you on my set. You know what Definitely. I mean? You got to start thinking about that. Like, what what do you bring to the team? If your personality is a part of the team, if your skills are a part of the team, if you just are, like, great to just be around, like, yeah. think about those things. Yeah. Because that really will get you that extra, hey, I want you a part of my project. Hey, can you do this for me? You know for what I'm saying? Sure. Your passion, your laughter, whatever you bring. Mm-hmm. Bring something. It's, it's funny because I guess it's like with the podcast, right? Because yeah. yeah. people are probably like, well, wait, if you guys are three film people, why isn't it only about film? But it's like, yeah. okay, as storytellers, we know what a compelling story is, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm, and so mm-hmm. we can also identify, like, one, people that we like or think add a lot of value mm-hmm. to the culture That's itself, what it's about value. right? Mm-hmm. You know, who's bringing value and helping people see things with maybe new eyes, whatever, mm-hmm. right? But, um, yeah, and in, in a disruptive way that just helps change the course of culture. Like, just since we're talking about film, but I know one person who I admire a lot and such a nice person. You've met him, too. I don't know if you've met Ryan Coogler. I haven't He's met him yet, no. such a nice humble, person, yeah, humble, humble guy. guy. But when I first started at the film commission, there were, there were certain trolls about, you know, because 
the, it was slow. Like yeah. it was not much production. So they would go on the in our, for market, and I also oversaw all the social media. So most of the tweets and posts, like I did yeah. them, mm-hmm. and trolls would come out of nowhere and just talk so much trash about it's no work here, it's not this right. Mm-hmm. Anything I post about Ryan Coogler, those same trolls, they had nothing but like flowers to give. They were just like, <laughs> yeah. he's a great guy. Yeah. I worked with him. And and then I started seeing like that type of respectful culture yeah. that he brought. Like he was really humble and treated everybody on set so, great. Yeah. And after that, I started seeing a wave of people. I guess probably other people started taking note and saying, yeah. damn, I want people to talk about me that way. Mm-hmm. Let me let me humble myself and mm-hmm. act like I got some sense on the set. <laughs> like you know? But treat people because everybody, we all need each other yeah. there, you know? Mm-hmm. But then I felt like that was like a disruption in the culture of like that separation of that wall between director and everybody else on set yep. and, you know, the flow of things, you know. But that's a testament to yeah. his leadership. Yeah. Um, leadership is evaluated through demonstration, right? Yeah. So how you how you conduct yourself, how you treat others who can't do nothing for you, that's that signifies who he is as a person. Yeah. That's real. Leadership. Example by your demonstration, yeah. it really demonstration. is. Like, it's all about your demonstration. Like we could all say one thing, I'm this, I'm that, but when you get out there to whatever your workforce is, how, what is your demonstration like? Yeah, what mm-hmm. are you really? Yeah. What are you really about? Yeah, what you represent. Crazy. I never even thought like that. That's mm-hmm. actually kind of crazy. So, I mean, that, that that makes you think. Like even like we were talking about before. I think talking about like one of the biggest things that we've learned is that like treat people like you want to be treated yes. first and mm-hmm. foremost you said commitment which is like huge but at the same time like be cool with making those mistakes and be cool with people talking junk about you mm-hmm. oh, you know yeah. what i'm saying yeah, like, you, you got to you got to accept the critiques you that's got any, to. anytime you're doing something creative there's yeah. always going to be critiques you have the best film ever mm-hmm. man this is going whack but i'm, I'm <laughs> even talking about like even like uh, the way you conduct business i mean yeah. we've had our situation yeah. where we were young in yeah. the in the game we we tried to do something one way we might have not came off the the most you know the, the, done the right things or came off a little bit too brass because we're young and we're just trying to get it. Yeah. But then looking back on it, it's like, okay, we learned we made a mistake here, right? Mm-hmm. We could have handled that a different way. Somebody might be like, oh, we, I don't like them. Okay, let's go mm-hmm. talk to that person. What did we do wrong? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? How can we how can we prepare ourselves better as businessmen, as filmmakers, and as storytellers? What can we do to be better? So you got to always be open to stuff like that. Yeah, For that's sure. true. It's, I and I guess that's a point we should talk about too. Yeah. That like you guys are younger than me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when, they, when they first uh, told me like, oh, we want to do this podcast, I was like, oh, why? Because y'all like like old head the web series. That's why you need your old head. You need an old head on set. Like, yeah, because you guys are young. Did you guys ever during your process like not want to reveal your age? Because I Ooh, I started question. in. It was more event production. When mm-hmm. I was around um, 20, I found, co-founded a company with one mm-hmm. of my old friends, or it has that past friend. And she and I, we got in the habit of not telling people our mm-hmm. age, right? Mm-hmm. Because they would say, well, well, how old are you guys? And we'd say, wait a minute. Because <laughs> if I'm too old, you'll look at the level I'm at and you'll mm-hmm. think, you know, oh, aren't you, shouldn't you be further than mm-hmm. this in your process? Mm-hmm. But if I'm young, you automatically want to discount everything I'm doing mm-hmm. and as like to like an experience or you. Mm-hmm. I don't think I nobody thought about it. Like, I don't think nobody asked. Yeah. <laughs> nobody never asked. And we, for, personally, I don't know about you, John. I yeah. never thought about it that way because yeah. um, when is your time is your time. Avery Duvernay right. started at 32. True. And she's one of the best directors in the world. So. Let, let me find out that's the patriarchy. Like, as women, yeah, we was yeah. all self-conscious about our age yeah. and, you know, all that. And, don't, and men don't even think about I don't, it. Wow. Bro, I, like, I, I know personally, I never thought about it like No that. one ever asked. Wow. I, I heard people from music think have that analogy, though. I heard yeah. artists yeah. 
don't reveal their age. So the only time I that, think I that ran into that. That makes sense for music. Yeah, yeah. I, the only time I ran into that was for acting. Like when mm-hmm. I did the acting stuff. Ah, true. That's true. when people were just like, like, how old are you? Mm-hmm. Like, well, do you see yourself? I was like, I'm young. <laughs> <laughs> but like, oh, how young you need me to be? You know yeah. I, mean? I think when people actually hear our actual ages, yeah. they're kind of just like, and you've done so much. And we're like, yeah, yeah but like. We could do more. more. You know what I mean? I think yeah. Tony and my mindset have always been like, we're not doing enough. Yeah. We're never doing when, enough. I guess once you have certain accomplishments under or work, like a body of work under mm-hmm. your belt, yeah. then it's like young is not a thing, right? Yeah. But if you're just starting, they'll be like, oh, you wet behind the ear. <laughs> I don't know. But like, we all got to start somewhere, right? Absolutely. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So just a question I had. That's, that's, a, good, that's a good, I never, we, <laughs> wow, I, it's just crazy. You guys never even thought about that. No. I guess it's mm-hmm. just not an obstacle as much for men as women, yeah. that maybe. Yeah, or, I, or maybe, you know what? I'm just because maybe I'm showing my age. Maybe that's old thinking. <laughs> that's some old early 2000s thing, you I know? Would, like I, I definitely will admit that I think Tony always has, I think this is something I got from Tony is like having the mindset that there are no obstacles. There literally never are any obstacles. Yeah. There's an answer. There's a way to get around things. You just got to find it. Yeah, find you know a resource. Be resourceful, right? Yeah. Find yeah. the resources there yeah. somewhere. So, facts. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, y'all want to transition to getting a little bit know more about us personally, like how we like film culture, things that we kind of embody. Yeah. Things like that. Sure. Okay. I don't know what that means. Oh, right? I got, I got you, questions. <laughs> I got questions. I want to know your guys's top three favorite films. Since we're gonna be a little film focused today, yeah. top three film favorite oh, man, films I, and why? Oh, maybe I didn't put much thought into mm. this. I mean, I'm gonna just give you all off I'm the top so of my head. hard. Yeah, I'm hard with favorites. Mm-hmm. Right? It's it's really hard. For it could be think things that you know touched you too, like as far as like influential Ooh. things like that. I don't. I don't want to go first. I go first. Um, <laughs> so I'm ready. I'm prepared. Um, Gladiator is my favorite movie. My okay, number one. Yeah. Um, I love the character Maximus. What he represented. Um, selfless. Mm. Um, fighting for something that's much greater than himself. Um, number two, The Dark Knight. The first Dark yeah. Knight. Mm. I love that. I remember exactly where I was in that movie. <laughs> I, I go watch that movie every day for the rest of my life. Mm. And then third, you might laugh, but Above the Rim. <laughs> the basketball component of it, and yeah. I love Tupac character in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah I love Birdie that character. That's solid. That's solid. Okay. You want some more time to think? I, can I do. do. Okay. I need more time. Job. So my number one favorite. This just sounds so corny, but I used to play baseball growing up, and that was like my like I used to think I was like the man. That was my thing. So Sandlot. Oh, I, I don't know if y'all yeah. seen the yeah, Sandlot. Benny the Jet Smith, yeah. bro. I can beat him in a race to this day. <laughs> I don't care how fast he is. Watch I got it a, as a kid. Yeah, I got a, I got a pair of PF Flyers at the crib too, which is like really <laughs> wild. Um, that would be my favorite movie. Um, number two. I want to say it's uh, they're more recent, and I want to say it's like a tie between us and Get Out. The reason why I say those two is Jordan Peele has been doing incredible things with the yeah, pen, he is. incredible things, and it's the first time where I've ever seen like African American issues, black trauma, or like just being in social spaces like that kind of be p- p- portrayed on a film yeah. and acted and carried out in ways where I was like, I completely understand. That's the true definition of a disrupt. I'm sorry to exactly. cut you off because he's turning through the medium in the medium of genre of horror. Yeah, definitely. Like uh, name another filmmaker ever did that <laughs> yeah. from a storytelling perspective. Crazy. What you, what do you, wait, what do you... I'm mean, saying like he's telling like he's he's giving you real world issues through oh, the through genre horror. of horror. Yeah. Yeah. That's like unheard of. Crazy. 
Yeah. And it's like the way that the way he he Usually like, horror is superficial, right? Mm-hmm. Like not a, like the That's, in, superficial. In this situation, it's like a real aspect that we deal with on the daily mm-hmm. that yes. is a traumatic or, you know, an emotion invoking situation for ourselves portrayed in a way where it's like an actual horror film where it's like I'm getting anxiety watching this mm-hmm. cuz I've been in that situation. You yeah. know what I mean? So for even both those movies were just like I was just like y'all you got it, bro. <laughs> like you got it. <laughs> That's number 2. Yeah. Um Number three, only reason I'm going to say this in the movie is because I used to have the VHS back when there were VHSs. Um, I used to, like, tear the, uh, you know, like, the little the tape up. I yeah. watched it so many times. It would, it would crinkle. Y'all seen Space Jam. Everybody seen uh, Space Plus. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I hope they don't mess up the sequel. Yeah, this is the why. Oh, why? I got to take that back. I got to take Space Jam back. Because okay. wow. the other movie that I did that with is House Party. Okay. The original Which House one? Party oh, with Kid Play. Yeah. Number one, bro. Oh, I thought three was better, man. You thought House Party three was better? Oh, Uncle Vesta. <laughs> Who are you with? House Party, <laughs> House Party two is the is the move with the pajama jammy yeah, jam. Yeah, that that that's that my cool. joint. Yeah, that was dope. But House Gosh. Party one on repeat every day. <laughs> this don't make it no easier. I'm like, you know, because favorites are really hard. Like, if, yeah. if, like I may like I just recently settled on like, oh, this is my favorite singer. But it's like yeah. I always like certain things about different things. Like you know, so um, there there. Then I'm thinking like there's certain movies that I will watch anytime it comes on over like all the time because I think they're like perfect for their mm-hmm. genre. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, is that my favorite? Is it mm. my favorite? Right? <laughs> like so. Um, one of my favorite movies is just like emotional because I remember sitting there and watching it with um, when I was a kid at my dad's house, me and my um, brothers, because it would be on a lot when I was young. And then you guys might not know this. This film is called Jacob's Ladder. Oh, I don't know. I, I, I never heard, heard of it. God, it was yeah. such a like psychological film, yeah. and it, I mean, it's, I, it's, it's good. I could be wrong. It might not be on. It's Netflix. a war. Oh, a war. It may be so. It might be because I, I remember Jacob seeing Lord, it recently Lord, on one, a, at least one of my war, streaming services. It's a war film yeah. when he's in Vietnam, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I guess because it's like I like psychological things. Like mm-hmm. I really liked Inception, except mm-hmm. for the ending was hard for me because it was like, well, is, is he sleeping? Is yeah. he? Is he? Is it a dream? You know. <laughs> but it's like I like yeah, dream yeah, sequences mm-hmm. a lot, mm-hmm. just because, and it's probably because I dream every night. Like if I was to fall asleep in a net for ten minutes, I'll have a full dream. That's you know crazy. what I mean? So it's it's that I really like that. That was and that was something weird. That was I remember being young and saying, "Wow, that was a big twist in the way they told that story." Wow, I was kind of mind blown. Mm-hmm. It. I think that's when I really first started thinking about storytelling and like what you can do on film. Mm-hmm. Of mm-hmm. like that was amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I really, I, I really, really, really like Get Out because I, I was I'm a horror junkie, yeah. right? I love horror. Um, but as, as I'm getting older, I find. Two things happened for me with horror. One, my kids started getting older, so it was mm-hmm. like, I can't enjoy nothing, because then he's always scared. Like, I want me to the bathroom, and I'm like, God, you know. Yeah. I mean, even trailers. So we'd be at the yeah. movie theater, and I'd be like, close your eyes, because it was a, a scary trailer. He'd be like, I'll like, be scared. But I don't have as much tolerance for a certain horror anymore. It's almost like roller coasters. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. getting old, I'm mm-hmm. like, do I feel like my heart racing? I don't know. But Get Out was perfect. Yeah. It's like, as far as the genre film, it was, it was perfect. Have you um, seen Hereditary? No, I'm just add that to your watch list. Yeah, I have to watch a lot. I haven't. I gotta catch up. Like it was, you know, um, one movie before Get Out came out. As far as a horror, that was I thought was a perfect. I mean, of course, there's like The Shine and the classics. Um, Skeleton, Skeleton Key. I remember that. Oh, I thought that was beautiful because it it tapped into things of like Afrofuturism Mm -hmm. for me of um, body switching and Mm -hmm. a lot of those things. Like because there's so many things I think are like existential things that (laughs) I just like I really believe in, Mm -hmm. right? Mm And um, it, it also tapped into voodoo and you know those type of ancient practices, but um. And you know, I t- set it off comes to my mind a lot. Ooh. 
I thought Set It Off was a great, brilliant film. And it was just ignored by the powers that be because at that time they weren't interested in black film. And Especially I always black think. Women as leads. leads. Exactly. Yeah, what, five black leads? Yeah. Black women leads? Yeah, you yeah. know. So every time, uh, well, four black women leads. Yeah, four, but then four, when four, you add bad. in some of the other characters from Blair Underwood to, mm-hmm. I can't remember, I think Joyce, I forget her name, but she played Rock's wife. Mm-hmm. But that, I mean, it was just all good, compelling characters, beautifully written. Cleo death scene, I tear up every time. Oh, yeah. I can't That's even watch like it. It's iconic. just like, yeah. it's iconic. And I always look at that as like, even when award seasons come around, where they're mm-hmm. like, oh, this is not. And I'm like, you know, it's all timing. Mm-hmm. Because I'm like, if they were to have to do an honorary, I feel like it should win an Oscar. It yeah. was such a beautiful, Definitely amazing was. film. I, I think the industry wasn't ready for a type of film like that. They didn't mm-hmm. even want to, I think they just yeah. ignored it. They didn't even want to watch it. Let me know? ask you a question, though. It's funny you said that was um, just how powerful that film was. Why do you guys think? Stories that that era or that movement of black cinema in the '90s were so much more written better than some of the black films today. Mm. What compare? Give me a black film today that I can compare it to. All right, let's take for example. Let's take Lottery Ticket opposed Uh, to Friday. Okay. Okay. Yeah. They both good comedies. They both fairly funny. But why is Friday more iconic than Lottery Ticket? But who wrote Lottery Ticket? Sometimes it's creator based too. Right? I don't know, Ruda. I know Ice Cube was a producer of it. I know he was really. It's, 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 oh, it's Lottery a, Ticket? Yeah, that's his movie. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. But so, so he's in Ice movie Cube. Yeah, so he's that's in Ice Cube versus Ice Cube. Because so Friday was his, right? Yeah, he wrote Friday. He wrote Friday. Friday. Yeah. I'm not sure if yeah. he wrote Lottery Ticket, but he was involved throughout the, the whole production I process. I think there was a formula in the 90s. I think when I say that Do you think we got away from that formula, though? I, I think as a community, a black community, we've kind of shifted in a sense. Ooh, you, you know, know what, what I'm thinking? Because um, I'm even thinking my friend, she saw, she's like, did you see Hustlers yet? And I'm like, no, I didn't. I and I said, yeah, and she was like, it was good. And I said, what was better, Hustlers or Players Club? She's like, without a doubt, Players Club was better. But I Definitely think, better. It's not close. <laughs> but I think, you know what? And then we think about that audience in the 90s versus now. In the 90s, it was very clear. I'm yeah. a black filmmaker. I'm making a black film. Who is my audience, yeah. right? And I know I have to make it authentic and real and this voice that's recognizable because it was already, it's almost like it was a, a what do you, taken or like a granted that like, oh, this probably might not see the day mm. for most white people. So this mm-hmm. ain't really for them. So let me do this in this very authentic voice, voice. or my audience is going to be like, what is this, right? So you now you feel like black films have too much of a commercial appeal? That's what you're so, may, Maybe a little bit. People mm. are writing... Not for their, like, they're not writing it necessarily. Like, it's almost like what like, Toni Morrison would talk about, like, you you write what you want to read, right? Mm. And you're going to write something based on what you want to read, which That's you feel like is authentic. You, yeah. Because you can, you can see it in the writing. Yeah, yeah. but not sitting there thinking, well, what, what, what about if I was, a, you know, a white guy in his, his 40s, mm-hmm. would I be able to digest it? And it's like, that's not the point. Mm-hmm. It's about this being told in a more authentic, real way, mm-hmm. in a intentional way mm-hmm. right as That's opposed true. to trying to make it palatable or mm-hmm. digestible for someone else it's mm-hmm. like no it's don't cut it into small pieces let them choke yeah they and need I, to. it's and it's, it's just a piggyback off that like and the, those budgets were so significantly much lower back then y'all want uh, just yeah. just a fact yeah. they was on Think scale about it. those budgets most of the films two million dollars below that like yeah. that, that's the crazy part even in the research i've been doing like a lot of the time, a lot of the mainstream movies back then were getting the million dollars, two million dollars, three million dollars. They were getting fifty thousand dollar budgets, fifty thousand dollars to maybe a hundred thousand dollars to make a film. 
a full film that's going to compete with all the others. That's nuts. I mean, yeah. money was different then. Right? Yeah, like, yeah. The value could, money even was. like yeah, value was different. Was money yeah. was different, but they were shoe super shoestring budgets. Yes. but right? I just said the storyteller was just more fuller back then. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. yeah. even we look at, I mean, because I'm thinking like body of work. We look at someone like John Singleton. Yeah. yeah. Whew. His body work is crazy, and it's crazy. not just the stereotypical like black films about violence and gang violence. He gave you Poetic Justice. Yeah. He gave his, you his movies. Boy. Have, he I don't know any own. of his films that haven't aged well. Where you yeah. watch it now, you're like, it's like fine oh, wine. Yeah, yeah, all of them. Who let me ask you a question, just, just <laughs> out of curiosity. Yeah, who was a better who's a better filmmaker in your perspective? Okay, John Singleton or Spike Lee? I knew you was gonna ask that because <laughs> they both are very similar. To go with John, <laughs> I mean, you know, it's, it's even looking types. at it is. Yeah. It's even looking at types. like I think I think snowfall. I think John yeah. is more story driven. If that makes sense, yeah. The thing, John is more real, in my opinion. Think the reason so? why I say real yeah. is like he's going to show you the the gritty, the nasty, and the mm-hmm. the re, the, ref, the, the what am I saying? The reactions from that. You yeah. know what I'm saying? I think, and I think Spike is a little more experimental. Yeah, in yeah. some aspects and too. Bright. But right? that's that Scorsese. Yeah, he come under that. That's yeah, because yeah. uh, even like he's family. he's dabbled with like musicals. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Whether it's School Days or yeah. other, you know, he's he's dab- He does a lot of experimental That's choices. That's why I wanted John to do that Tupac movie. John would have did that. Yeah. I think it could have been kind of similar to what Spike did with that Malcolm X movie. Oof, mm. that was powerful. Yes, because it's it, that's that's a hard question. Spike versus John, John. because of that, it's like. That Malcolm X movie to me was oh that, damn that would that would be that's a favorite. That's, that's one of my favorite movies. Let's too. not that's talk about the can't forget Denzel body in that. Yeah, yeah. body in that for sure. But it, it's definitely I guess we gotta wrap it. But yeah. Malcolm X by Spike Lee was one of the best examples of the amazingness and the greatness of impact that film mm-hmm. could have. Right, mm-hmm. that film almost single handedly changed the perception. Of, of Malcolm X, yeah, yeah. and the nation of, Is- nation of Islam, and just yeah. Black people in general. Yeah. How we have the ability to um, just reform and re- rehabilitate ourselves, mm-hmm. yeah. and given the proper resources and the proper support, education. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was educational. It was informational. Mm-hmm. It it was like a propaganda in the most beautiful, best way. Mm-hmm. Where because it was it was a lot of divide before mm-hmm. that of a lot of people who looked at Malcolm as too much of a fire starter, mm-hmm. too much of a troublemaker, and of this, you know, kind of like anti-Martin mm-hmm. um, Luther King mm-hmm. mentality. But then that film came and it was able to persuade and like really show Malcolm in a, a true light, right? Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. know, it, so that was one of the best examples of the power and beauty of film for me. So that, that, yeah. that would I be agree. a favorite. One of my yeah. other favorites, because I was, was He Got we do, Game. We do got a rap, though. Okay. <laughs> he got game. Yeah, you know, I He Got it. Game. And mainly that was choice-wise. Like, story, perfect. Yeah. I thought it was beautiful. Yeah. But one of the biggest things, I went to this um, movie music, a Spike Lee event, where he talked about how he chose to use classical music on all the basketball scenes. He was like, everything else was mm. always hip-hop. Mm. But that one choice, when I looked at it again, I was just like, God, That's this is Because beautiful. basketball is an art. Yeah. Exactly. Tell them, Tom. Tell them, Tom. That's a little basketball knowledge coming out. <laughs> yeah. It's like a good analogy for it. It's yeah. a good parallel. Well, that's it. Yeah, that's crazy. So that's 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 gonna be our first episode of um, our first primary pilot, disruptors in the culture. Crazy! I'm happy we could finally get together and do this. Yeah. Um, we're gonna try to bring this to you almost weekly, if not monthly. Mm -hmm. Um, check in with us. We'll have different guests, different topics, different things to talk about. Um, but yeah, you'll get more. Get to know us some more. You'll get to know our content some more. 
and we can't wait to you know bring this new platform to everybody so please keep your eyes and ears peeled um you'll see our tags and you know follower information under here uh just some updates about things to come like i said we're gonna bring you more episodes my man tony is going to be moving out to los angeles yes, sir. so y'all be able to follow yes. his journey on some of the Exclusive content we content. put out so please make sure you check that me and america gonna hold down the ship for a while while he's not here but you're gonna get a lot more content and uh things to come so just stay on board and we hope to you know hope that you all become disruptors and follow us as we are on our journey Facts. Signing right. off. Signing, Signing off. off. Talk to y'all later. Peace.